Hi, I'm Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. With the completion of our 18 production odyssey exploring the complete stage works of the great Stephen Sondheim, we decided it was time to have a bit of fun and see if there was some way to even possibly create a Stephen Sondheim Desert Island playlist, a generally agreed upon call out to the one essential song from each of the 18 productions that are a must have, that best express that show's impact and its personality. Each of our past Sondheim at 90 Roundtable guests were invited to contribute their personal selections. And today we have three of the smartest music theater aficionados I know who will join me in defining that complete list. Starting with award-winning music director, vocal coach, and actor Roberta Ducek, whose credits include as U.S. music supervisor for Broadway's soon-to-open musical Six, which got its start right here in Chicago, as vocal coach for Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe in the 2012 film version of Les Miserables and appearing as mother in the original Broadway production of Ragtime. Accomplished author and playwright Peter Felicia, who has written about theater for the Star Ledger, Theater Week, Playbill, Theater Mania, Broadway Select, Encore, and Masterworks Broadway. A four-term president of the Drama Desk Awards, he's written six books on theater, including three editions of Let's Put On a Musical. And John Yap, who for over 35 years has produced hundreds of recordings, including works by Stephen Sondheim, Leonard Bernstein, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and virtually every significant Broadway and West End composer and lyricist. On the J Record label, John has recently released the first complete recording of Sondheim and Lorenz, Anyone Can Whistle. Welcome, everyone, to the roundtable. I'm so delighted to have you here with me. So are we. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this is hopefully, now look, we know there's nothing going to be definitive. There is no definitive lists, but I think, you know, we've got over 54, we've got 54 um, uh, previous uh, contributors to the round table, uh, many of whom uh, added to this list. And uh, let's see if we can uh, find something that maybe gets us somewhere near the word definitive. Some of the shows I think we have consensus on. So we're going to we're gonna move past those in the interest of time. But there seems to be about seven shows that the three of you seem to be in contention about. So those are the conversations I really want to open up. And, uh, and here we're, uh, let's see you, you know, <laughs> defend your choices, defend your choices. So right out of the gate, we have consensus. Saturday night from 1954, uh, from our previous panelists, as well as Roberta and Peter contributed, uh, everybody pretty much thinks that so many people is the song. Um, there was some interest in what more do I need, but so many people seems to be the one that's there. Uh, John, we did not get uh, uh, an opinion from you on that. Do you wanna uh, upset the apple cart and come back with something different? Or do you think that's so many people? Uh, well, the thing is, I'm not too familiar with Saturday Night. Mm -hmm. I've seen it, I have the recording, but I'm not too familiar with it. And so if I may, I might excuse myself um, that's Drop great. On this, uh, on this um, score, uh, and even some of our other of our other uh, contributors didn't fill out every single. So we're going to just simply right out of the gate agree. So many people. We get into West Side Story, 1957, and we're into a big fight. How perfect for West Side Story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's start with Roberta. What do you think it should be? What song? Uh, 
You know, I musical directed this show and it's hard because you fall in love with every every song when you really start to dissect a score. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to go with Cool. I just think um, as a standalone piece, well, first of all, it's epic. Um, it's Bernstein's, you know, finest moments. It's really a jazz piece, you know, with the little jazz uh, motif at the top. Da -da, da -da -da. And then it goes from there and it just keeps, you know, counterpointing. And um, so it's, it's, it's also, um, oh, my dogs are barking. Isn't that <laughs> Yeah, you knew that would happen. Um, so they're angsty too, just like angsty teen teenagers. Um, no, it's just, everyone is so filled with this teenage angst and the music reflects that perfectly. And then it becomes a huge ballet. I just feel like it's, it's like you could take it outside. Um, you could just take cool outside and just say, oh, I, I totally understand the whole piece. Mm -hmm. I get it. I know what it's about. And I'm going to mute myself. All right. Peter. Well, uh, the quintet does it for me because uh, first off, you have all those melodies melding together. But in terms of Sondheim, who after all wrote the lyrics, I'm especially impressed with, well, they began it. Well, they began it because both of them feel that the other one is responsible. And I think that's so true of so many arguments that it's so easy to think the other person or the other contingency is the guilty party. I also love the different use of the word hot um, when Anita sings um, about he'll come in hot and tired. Doesn't matter as long as he's hot. And of course, we have different uh, perceptions of what hot is there. Hot, of course, means yes, overheated, but it also means ready to have sex. So I think that's very skillful too um also you know to have tonight in there which i believe i may be wrong about this but i i think i heard that tonight actually was part of that quintet and then became the song after the fact that it really was written for their first and on a completely different note entirely if you watch the movie of west side story the 1961 one um you will notice during uh to, uh, the quintet when Tony is walking along the brick wall you will see the three sheet for the 1960 flop musical Christine that's just a little bonus look for it the next time you watch the movie I did not notice that of course Peter you're gonna <laughs> point that out that's awesome all look right all right I will because who doesn't love uh, a Maureen O'Hara that's right you know I never miss it Tom how about you well, my choice is for uh, one hand, one heart. Um, to my mind, that's actually, it's, the, it's a song that actually uh, brings together the, the story of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, it's um, serene and calm and beautiful, like this, the calm before the storm. Mm. And, um, and the, uh, this is the first time where Tony sings in a legitimate tenor voice in a classical style to blend with Juliet. And this, that is the moment for me that they, they really got together. And, um, and, and, and of course, the, uh, for me, uh, the orchestral introduction, that calm, long, leisurely introduction to the song sets the whole piece. And for me, that actually encapsulates Romeo and Juliet in my sex story for me. Mm -hmm. God, those are great points, the three of you. Uh, it, and it's funny because it just it, it just shows how you know each of these songs almost really just totally represent the show. I will tell you that the the previous panelists came back with their kind of collective, and as we aggregated it, they seem to side a little bit where uh, Peter is going with quintet. Ah. Seemed to be the most uh, um, mentioned song as being most representative of West Side Story.
So John and I lost. Is that what you're saying? I don't know that you necessarily <laughs> lost. Not that I'm gonna put it that way. It's just adding to the, the consensus as we're all agreeing. Nobody's ever. But that's kind of where the, the the rest of the group was going. 1959. We're getting into Gypsy. There seems to be some consensus here uh, with Rose's turn. Although the three of you. Uh, we're not entirely in agreement uh, as well. Uh, Roberta was uh, Roberta and John were suggesting everything's coming up roses, and Peter was interestingly putting in if Mama was married. Peter, talk to, to us a little bit about that. Well, the thing that uh, that I want to make a point about if, if Mama was married is not so much that it's the greatest song from the score. Of course, it's not, but I want to point out something that Stephen Schwartz said in Pippin: "It's smarter to be lucky than it's lucky to be smart." And no question, Stephen Sondheim was very lucky here in the section of uh, Mama. Um, We'll buy you the rice. Uh, if only this once, you wouldn't think twice. We aren't the Lunts. We're not Fanny Bryce. Now, if Fanny had kept her original name, the lyric wouldn't work. You know? <laughs> so as a result, you know, you have to be lucky as well. And of course, people could throw in a number of things at a wedding. The tradition has been rice. Yes, there have been shoes attached to a car. But the point is, rice is what's thrown. What if it were something like lentils? Again, it wouldn't work. <laughs> so again, the luck that is involved here certainly points out that, yes, Sondheim is a genius, but you got to have luck on your side, too. <laughs> Peter, you're incredibly convincing. You're, yes. you're dragging over 50 people over to your side. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Roberta and John, are you sticking by everything's coming up roses over roses term? Well, I mean, they're both great songs, but, mm -hmm. but for me, um, everything's coming up roses. It's the more positive song, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think it ends act one. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect end of act one song, you know, looking forward to being positive for the big bang and the wonderful, wonderful tune uh, and, and, and lyrics that everything should be great. And then we go out and then find that everything is not going to be great. Yeah. And we come back. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with John. I feel like we watched this woman overcome so many hurdles. So we're rooting for her. And, and already in Act One, she's, you know, we see her struggling and then she's still so positive and then she grabs her bag and she takes mm -hmm. the plaque and she's out. I love it. I feel like that's, it's hard to, it's hard to not choose that. I'm wondering if part of the, uh, of the, the, the rest of the group was, was considering the fact that everything's coming up roses is, is, is much the core of Rose's turn plus more. So maybe that's why that's where that was going. Mm -hmm. uh, getting into our next show, we've got more of uh, 
of uh, a fight here. Getting 1962, <laughs> funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Uh, the three of you are completely disagreeing with what it should be. Why don't we start with uh, Peter? What do you think it should be? Well, it's not so much what it should think it should be, but um, funny thing was the second Broadway show I ever saw. Um, I had just turned 16. I wasn't even 16 going on 17. I was 16 hmm. um, six weeks earlier. And of course, it was a great experience. And the thing was, of course, you know, Comedy Tonight is one of the great opening numbers of all time. But I'm very interested in the fact that even at the age of 16, the song that really made the biggest impression on me was impossible. And that's so strange, you know, because, I mean, it does deal with a young man and an older man. And uh, the fact that they're each uh, talking about the fact that the other one is deficient, one for being young, one for being old, and then they switch. The other one feels deficient for being young, and the other one feels deficient for being old. I just found that amazing. And it, it still surprises me that at the tender age of 16, I would have any um, way of relating to the older man in any way, shape, or form. But I did. You know, and I have to admit, the day that I turned 50, the first thing I thought of was, all right, 50, <laughs> as indeed Senek says in the song. Yeah. And it is rare to have a song that is literally laugh out loud. Like, yeah, indeed. Has... And I'm... I remember laughing out loud when uh, he has asthma, gout, a yeah. wife, lumbago and gas. In the middle of all those uh, health problems, you have the wife, which in her own way is a health problem to yeah. Senex. You know, I'm not yeah. saying in every marriage, I'm just saying in that one. <laughs> so, so as a result, that's a big problem for him. Yeah. John, what was your choice? Well, actually, it, it's a little bit of a perverse choice in that I chose possibly I think sometimes most politically incorrect song. <laughs> everybody's got to have everybody's got to have a maid. Mm -hmm. And even as a child, I mean the tune of course is wonderful and it's bouncy. It's actually uh, to my mind it's like almost like the list song of Cole Porter in Kiss Me Kate, mm -hmm. Russia Shakespeare, because they sing it and then they sing it again and it's but then it's so delicious that this this gay man is writing all these politically incorrect thoughts and it's like heterosexual ideas of a woman, you know? And mm -hmm. um, I wonder if it will be, it will survive uh, in the next production of uh, Funny Thing or would, would that song be cut? Oh but boy, that, I hope not. I chose it for, for being totally wicked and funny and, and, and politically incorrect. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that's uh, great. That's my, my, my reasoning for, for liking that song. And it's a great song, my God. When they come back the third time, it just brings down the house. Never <laughs> fails, never fails. You cannot screw up that song. Roberta, what was yours? Um, I absolutely love that song too. Um, it's one of my favorites. But honestly, well, as we all know, um, a, a Comedy Tonight was my, that was my choice, but mm -hmm. it wouldn't, uh, that was his third choice, right? That was his third reincarnation of the opening number. I think the first one was Invocation. I, mm -hmm. it, this, the second one was a tap, tap song. I can't remember mm -hmm. the name of it. Uh, Love Love's, is in the, Love's in the, in the air. air. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the one. And I think he got it right with comedy tonight. Cause honestly, looking through the lens of 2021 and doing the show, I don't think you could do it without comedy tonight as an mm -hmm. opening, because it really does address what we're about to see and it's just a laugh you know it's mm -hmm. it's sarcasm it's satire it's it's um it's vaudeville you know so it sets it up and so i think because of that song the show will continue mm -hmm. 
And apparently they couldn't do it in 62 without comedy tonight. The show was not really getting liftoff until they literally inserted that number, mm-hmm. helping the audience to understand what kind of an evening they were going to have and, and, right. and setting the course for having a big yeah. hit show. So yeah. there's certainly a lot uh, to be said for the number. And um, comedy tonight was the number that was collectively agreed upon by our previous <laughs> panelists. So they are agreeing with you this time, Roberta. Thank God. Oh, okay. Steve, they're smart people. They're very, Some sense very out there. geniuses. <laughs> geniuses. All right. Pantaloons and tunics, corrosions and eunuchs, generals and chases, baritones and basses, panderers, philanders, cupidity, timidity, mistakes, fakes, rhymes, rhymes, tumblers, grumblers, bumblers, bumblers, no royal curse. Moving into a show that John has uh, knows a little bit about recently, mm-hmm. 1964's Anyone Can Whistle. We got another fight here between the three of you. <laughs> Come on now, Peter. Uh, let's start with John this time. Sure. So John has uh, yeah. special affinity with Anyone That's Can Whistle. That's right. Well, this song became a real favorite of mine actually during the recording. I wasn't aware of it before then. And, um, and then during the recording, I suddenly realized God, this is what Sondheim is famous for. Uh, writing, uh, the, the song is the, the Cookie Chase. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I was listening, I was hearing what's coming to the loudspeaker in the studio when the, when the symphony orchestra was playing, that we were actually listening to a, a grand Viennese operetta music because it's, com- it's, it's composed to, to sound like a big operetta song. Um, uh, opera the sequence, and so and during the sequence, what's going on in the words is this horrible, wicked woman <laughs> throwing people into jail and locking them up, and women and children, and she was just being doing the most horrendous thing, but sung to the most wonderful, uh, 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 joyful opera her music, and 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 that's of course what Sondheim has always done since then to a lot of his shows where he, he would have the most amazing, wonderful tune to the most horrible um, situations, mm-hmm. uh, sort of just uh, sort of just playing against each other. And, um, and, and for that, I, I, uh, that be- that's become one of my most um, uh, liked songs from um, uh, Animal Fingers. So of course, there are loads of other songs in it, but that one stands out for me, um, the brilliance of Sondheim in just juxtaposing one idiom with, with, with the emotion of another and marrying them. And you don't really notice it until you've, you've heard it a few times and then you suddenly realize she's, she's singing to this glorious music, but, but, but what she's saying is horrendous. Yeah, and that, that's why I love it. And John, correct me if I'm wrong, your recording is the first recording ever of the Cookie Chase? No. Was no, it on the original cast album? Little bit. Cast, but but, but they, they've been cut. Yeah. This is the first time it's, co- it's complete. First time complete. Right. 
Uh, Roberta, how about you for Anyone Can Whistle? Um, this one was hard for me because I don't know the show. I do know the soundtrack because I'm a, a Sondheim enthusiast. And um, it was really hard because there's a lot of my favorite songs, but I really don't know the show, so I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is um, the beauty of Anyone Can Whistle, the title song. You know what I love about this song compared to all the other songs? I love, there's so many, so, so many of my favorites. I love There Won't Be Trumpets. Oh, gosh, I love that song. But they're all really difficult. They're really intricate. Like even trumpets goes from 3-4 to 4-4, you know, and, and even the song Simple is not simple, you know? <laughs> there's so many um, complex things to listen to as just an, uh, as for an average listener, but then Anyone Can Whistle is so simple yet so poetic and just the lyrics make me cry um uh when she says uh uh oh what's hard is simple what's natural comes hard i'm gonna cry i mean i think you have to be of a certain age to understand these lyrics mm -hmm. but they're really moving so i'm just saying this is my favorite song i'm not saying that it's you know can i can i just add add in actually um i've recorded anyone can do so the song a few times and without naming names, we have to abandon for a few, uh, several times the recording of that song with, with established artists because it is a very difficult song to sing. Uh, it's easy if they're singing in the bathroom, but when yes. you're sitting in front of the microphone and trying to sing it, yes. it's really difficult. It's so, um, it's so naked. It's, so... it's naked. <laughs> the orchestration is naked. The, yeah. the, and then it's a line. I mean, how so many times in a Sondheim song, it's patter. You know what I mean? But this is just a, it's, it's more old fashioned. And, uh, and, and you know, we, I, we have, I have abandoned a couple of times with really established, uh, wonderful act actors uh, singing, trying to sing that song. And we just say, oh, look, we shouldn't really be doing this because it's not convincing. It's not you, you know, and we moved on to other songs. Peter, you're going to take us in a different direction. Yeah, I love the Miracle Song, the second, uh, well, third, if you uh, count the Bluebird song, uh, the third song in the show, um, the Miracle Song about the fact that there is a miracle happening in this town and you better hurry on down. But what I love is uh, the lyric, there's water that you walk on, water that you turn to wine, which, uh, at least in Christian dogma, are uh, two miracles that we hear about. So <laughs> I love the fact that they're equating what's going on in this town, water coming out of a rock, uh, <laughs> with something that Jesus Christ allegedly did many, many moons ago. What I also love, and I don't know if this is Sondheim, and I don't know if it's Don Walker, the orchestrator, but the ride out, the final note you hear uh, after thank you, Lord, um, is just so intoxicating to me that I just love it amazingly. And that's a question we always have. You know, I mean, for example, people are always asking um, in a certain show, did, was it something that the creators wrote or was it the direction? Well, here I'd love to know if Sondheim wrote that ride out at his piano or if it was Don Walker. And the other thing too, I know that they had their issues, but I think Don Walker's orchestration for, for that song and all the rest are terrific. Although I would love to see what Jonathan Tunick would have done with Anyone Can Whistle. I think that would have been fascinating. Yeah, yeah. that's such a great point. It's a different show, I think. Yeah, supposedly, you know, I, I, I think that's a pretty good guess. But, uh, you know, given that he was just starting out, um, I think up until that point, um, I think All in Love, the Off-Broadway musical, was the only show that he had orchestrated. And, um, you know, so uh, I discovered him in Providence, Rhode Island in 1967 when he did 
all the orchestrations for the grass harp by the time it got to Broadway uh, there were new songs and he didn't do them but boy you could tell that this was a guy on the rise so um, yeah that would be um, something I'd like to hear mm -hmm. yeah Absolutely. And that is one of the things that, that kept coming up as, in our roundtable conversations, just about the contributions of, of all of Sondheim's uh, collaborators and how he is such an enthusiast for collaboration and for everybody's putting their thumb on the work, not just him saying it's mine back off. It's such a, uh, a beautiful part of uh, his artistry that he is really somebody who's interested to collaborate. Yeah, the next two shows coming in 1965s. Do I hear a waltz? I think we have consensus. Um, Roberta didn't contribute. John, uh, I'm sorry, Peter was thinking we're going to be all right. John seemed to be in uh, connection with the rest of the group, which was Take the Moment. I can see why that song would uh, be the one uh, that would kind of sum up what Do I Hear a Waltz is about. So I think that that's the song that we're going to be arriving at. Take the moment. Company, uh, the group, as well as John and Roberta, thought it was being alive for them, their favorite. Uh, Peter is thinking Barcelona. I do want you to unpack that for us, Peter. Why Barcelona? Because there'd never been a song that had quite done that before. Um, <laughs> the fact that it's basically uh, two people speaking um, is is such a, a, a radical thing for it to, ha to happen. And uh, under the circumstances, at the end of the song, uh, when we find out that he really um, doesn't even want the woman to stay after he's been pleading for her to stay. It shows us that he doesn't quite know what he wants. Women are always saying about men and men about women, you don't even know what you want. Well, this is an example of that because there he is pleading for her to stay and then he wants her to go. And um, the fact that he doesn't know his name, her name, the fact that he yawns during the song, um, not the first yawn, by the way, the song time did. After all, I'm Calm has a yawn in it as well. Mm -hmm. And funny thing. But nevertheless, the fact remains that this song... Um, set a, a, a new standard for what songs could be. Years later, um, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken wrote a song for their musical, God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, called Elliot Sylvia. And I dare say that song may not have occurred to them if Barcelona hadn't gotten there first. So um, that's why I'm impressed by that one. Could I tell a quick story, though, about uh, being alive and um, sure. may I? Okay. I was at the very, 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 very first performance of Company in Boston in 1970, when in fact another hundred people was in the second act. Anyway, there I am, and Dean Jones is singing Happily Ever After, and at some point his eyes get very wide, and I can see that he's thinking, oh my God, this song is not 
going over. They hate me and they hate the song. And when I later heard that he was leaving the show, I said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he made that decision. 30 odd years later, I'm asked to go and run a panel discussion at the Alabama Stage and Screen Hall of Fame. They were inducting Dean Jones. He's from Alabama. And I said, um, tell me about company. He said, oh, oh, I'm telling you, that first night in Boston, I was singing the song, you never heard of it. It's called Happily Ever After. And I'm looking at these people and saying, why do you hate me? Why do you hate this song? He said, I had to get out of that show. I said, I was there and I saw it happen. I could take you to the Schubert Theater stage right now and within a quarter inch point out where he was when those eyes widened. It was so amazing. Wow. So, so anyway, um, I will say that a, a gentleman named Robert Lobiondo has come up with a great idea, perhaps the greatest idea I have ever heard in terms of fixing a show. And that is what should happen is at the end of the first act, when Amy goes off um, to get married, uh, even though she doesn't want to marry Paul, that's where he should sing happily ever after which has many of the same lyrics as being alive. Let him be negative about marriage right then and there. And then later, to be more positive about it, you have the same words many of the times, but his, his attitude and his thrust is different. The melody is so different. I think that's a great idea. Hmm. That is a great idea. Very interesting. That's the type of thing, too, within the roundtable. Been interesting talking to a number of directors and music directors who wrestled with problematic moments and them kind of talking about how, and even including what John was talking about with forum where, sure. where they were talking about, you know, they did an all male forum so that they could cast a man as philia. So you didn't have to put a woman in that position. You didn't have to put a female actor into the position of playing philia that it ended up being funnier with a guy in drag. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, all, all, all different ways to approach these shows. The next two shows, uh, we have absolutely no consensus on. The oh. three of you are in disagreement. The group is in disagreement. Yes. 1971, Follies. Uh, let's start with Roberta. Well, this, this show is super special to me. Um, it was one of my first shows you know, after college. I played Young Sally. So it was really hard for me to choose because again i'm in love with every song and sondheim is so brilliant again i think i when i was 22 doing the role uh, you know i i saw the show so differently to where i am today so of course i have to look at sally's song in buddy's <laughs> eyes in buddy's eyes it's everything you know it's 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 the female version of the road you didn't take Right. Mm -hmm. And it's when when Sally's singing and she it's all fantasy. It's all lies. It's what she wants. And, um, you know, and even the orchestration tunic, Jonathan Tunic's orchestrations, of course, are so beautiful. And um, and he she's singing so warmly and you hear the strings under in Buddy's eyes. I'm young, I'm beautiful. And then and then um, I'm so sorry about my dog. Okay, <laughs> I have a puppy. And um, and then. And then the woodwinds come in and you can hear her the struggling and and see that she's this is all subtext. You know, like she's just trying to convince herself that she's happy. She's trying to convince Ben that she's happy. And I just feel like it's um it's a metaphor for the whole show. You know, the young looking to the old and the old looking back, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's my choice. That's good. Mom, how about you? Well, I chose the could I leave you? Um I chose that for the brilliance of Sondheim's lyrics, the way he writes um, and the way, you know, he, it's the same, say, uh, could I do this, could I do that, could I do that? The first part of the song is she's just listing all these positive things, things that she said, could I entertain this man and do this, do that, do that. And then with the same lyrics, she starts complaining um, uh, about, you know, 
do you want to this, uh, leave me this, leave me that? Uh, so basically, Sondheim just took the same, the same sentiment, but completely turned it around from one sen sentiment to another sentiment. Um, and then, of course, the, 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 the brilliant end, where we don't, don't really know where she went with it. Mm -hmm. And she said, guess. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why I love that song. Yeah. That's great. Peter. Beautiful Girls, the best opening number in the history of mankind. Um, uh, Follies has four great distinctions. Uh, the best opening number of all time, the best logo of all time, the best song written out of town of all time, I'm Still Here, and the best production number I've ever seen, which is Who's That Woman? I was not at the first performance. In fact, ironically enough, rereading um, Ted Chapin's book, I found out I was at a performance that wasn't so hot. Uh, I was there on March 2nd, and he says, oh, it wasn't so good tonight. It was good enough, uh, believe me. Um, and um, I, I didn't hear I'm still here. I heard Can That Boy Foxtrot, which was perfectly fine with me. And for that matter, when they were telling me that he was replacing that song, I said, what's he going to do that's going to be better than that song? Well, he showed me, as he always did. But beautiful girls, to watch those women come down that staircase, and uh, they're not at the height of their beauty anymore. And to think of what they were and what they, um, well, as Lorelai Lee taught us, and we all lose our charms in the end. And, um, and that's basically what happens here. But to see them in that way is so poignant and really points out that this is going to be a show about the past and the present and how they collide or how they will dovetail, whatever it might be. So I think it sets the tone beautifully and that's why I like Beautiful Girls best of all. God, that's a great description. And, and unpacking of that opening number, that seems to be so much of one thing. And when you put it in context of the show itself, which is so often the case with Sondheim, and God knows it happens all the time with, with anybody who's listening to Send in the Clowns, mm -hmm. that the song means one thing in the context of the show and another thing when taken out. Uh, the rest of the group uh, had collectively voted on Losing My Mind mm -hmm. as, as the song. Um, so it's interesting, cross the board. to uh, 1973, A Little Night Music. Again, nobody is in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with Peter. Well, um, again, this is another one where I was at the first night, and every human being I knew, um, this is in Boston now, January 20th, 1973, every human being I knew who cared about musical theater was there that night. They came from near and far, because after Company and Follies, who could wait for a second performance? And the one that really uh, took off for me was You Must Meet My Wife. Um, I, I thought it was so wonderful. Most, most writers would have had Frederick come in and say, listen, my, my wife has been terrible to me. She won't sleep with me. I need you back. Please do this for me. I'm going crazy. 
crazy. That's what an ordinary writer would do. Instead, here he is praising his wife. And uh, But that's what Sondheim does so well. Whenever he thinks about, all right, what's the obvious thing to do? Let me just reverse it. And then we'll have a much better song. And it was so wonderful uh, to hear Glennis John say, what is she, a bird? A great punchline. And I must meet your Gertrude. Of all the names, you know, the, the stodgiest name you could possibly think of um, yeah, is really quite uh, wonderful too. So, and to put it to a waltz, of course, it's certainly not the only waltz in night music, uh, and that, of course, was part of the plan. But nevertheless, you know, the fact that he is essentially um, trying to put one over on her and let her think that he really is deliriously happy with his wife when he isn't, a waltz is really the, the right way to do it. So that's why I like that one best of all. Grace. Uh, John. Uh, I chose um, A Weekend in the Country. Um, simply because it's just the most amazingly put together song, a long song, but every character is in it. And they all have their own little contributions and their own little situations. And yet it all comes together so beautifully and so seamlessly um, uh, throughout the whole song. Um, besides the fact that this really is a wonderful um, uh, melodies, different melodies are married and, and stitched together. For, uh, for me, stitching together all these different elements for all the different characters so seamlessly is so beautiful, and so that's that's why I chose it. But there's something there's something always puzzled me. There is a quote to, at the end of the song from the Rosen Cavalier. It's the opening chords of Rosen, uh, opening notes of Rosen Cavalier. And I meant to ask Sondheim about this, but I keep forgetting. I wonder why were why was the Rosen Cavalier brought in at the climax of A Weekend in the Country. Do you know, does anybody know? No. Mm -mm. No. Um, I mean, Rosen Cavalier is about Marshallin, who is giving up her young lover, uh, who is in love with a, a young and younger, but I can't see the connection. I mean, Desiree, okay, is in, oh, she's giving up her lover, but the, her lover is an older man. Maybe it's, maybe it's a reference to Vienna, I don't know, but mm. I, I, I would dearly love to know why those opening opening notes of Rosen Cavalier ended a, a weekend in the country. Mm -hmm. See, this is the thing, we can keep digging and digging and digging, and I talk Absolutely. to people like you, and you you bring out, oh, look for this little <laughs> exchange. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't notice it. Now I'm going to be looking for it, and I will bum, always be looking for Rosen Cavalier. Bum, 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 bum. Those mm -hmm. notes, that's the opening of Rosen Cavalier. I'm afraid the only thing I know about opera is the Three Penny Opera and the Phantom of the Opera. That's as far as <laughs> that's it for me. <laughs> I'm just a Broadway baby. <laughs> hey, Roberta, how about yes. you? You know, it's so funny. I'm, I'm looking at my, all of my choices, and I feel like I'm always choosing, you know, the female's plight of mm -hmm. relationships with men, and mm -hmm. I chose every day a little death. There you go. Um, but, you know, I just feel like this whole show, I mean, we know it's all about relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And um, whether you're, you have money or you don't have money, um, whether you're talking about your husband who has an adulterous affair or a young girl who is entrothed, you know, um, is that a word, with, um, with an older man, right? So um, I just feel like this encompasses the female experience it's very sexual, all the innuendos, right? Um, but um, but it's also about. I love Desiree's point of view. How she's um, she believes, you know, Frederick was is having 
an adulterous affair, which he is, um, and how every little thing she she notices all the changes as she gets older, right? And she and she just like little baby hints, and it's every day whether she's washing the dishes, whatever. She's it's she just she's dying very slowly. And then the young virgin is also dying because she doesn't want to have sexual relations, right? So, yeah, it's it's my favorite. I feel, and and there's my excellent. It's like high C, high C. There you go. And the um, dog agrees. And the yes, dog and he agrees. agrees. My punctuation, but yes, I just feel like it's um, the perfect song. Right. And we, you know, I remember from our conversation too on this particular show, just saying that only Sondheim will put a song like this into a musical like this, to take that moment and allow us just to be with that, you know, somewhat tertiary character. She's not certainly one of the, you know, the lead. And we just stay with her and we get to know her, boom, in one song and we know everything about her and how it relates to everything else. Um, that's as good a description, Roberta, I think, that you've given. Uh, the group, of course, went with uh, the maybe the obvious choice, Send in the Clowns, but as Send in the Clowns, I think, proves over and over again, it's not obvious. Once you really dig into that song, it's anything but obvious. Um, I, 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 uh, I appreciate their uh, being bold enough to go with the obvious, but also it kind of, uh, it's got a lot to say. Uh, moving into uh, The Frogs uh, from 1974, and again, appearing in, in 2004 on Broadway. Uh, Peter was the only one who came back with a, a, a suggestion as well, and, and it coincides with the rest of the group, which is Invocation, uh, of course, which started uh, as a tryout in Forum and finally right. found its place with The Frogs. So we'll agree. I was lucky enough to see it uh, in the swimming pool at uh, Yale, so uh, I did make the trip. And while it was disappointing, um, I, do, I think it's interesting that I've seen a musical with Chris Durang, Sigourney Weaver, and Meryl Streep in it. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I knew they were there, but. Uh. <laughs> well, in retrospective, you did. Mm -hmm. If we should get rhetorical, please don't curse. Wait till it's allegorical. And in verse, if we should get satirical, don't take it wrong. And if by sudden miracle a tune should appear that's lyrical, don't harm along. Do not intrude, please, till we conclude. Please do not allude, please, to talent gone to waste. If we are crude, please don't sit and brood, please. Let's not be too straight-laced. The author's reputation isn't based on taste. So please don't fart. There's very little air and this is art. And if you feel offended, don't lose heart. It's what the man intended. He was smart. When, when everything gets mended, we can all depart. And now... But first... Seventy-six with Pacific Overtures. Um, Roberta did not comment on this one, uh, and uh, Peter and John are not uh, in uh, agreement necessarily with the group. Peter, you want to? Uh, Peter had a bowler hat. And 
You want yeah, to yeah. Uh, because um, here we have uh, two men um, uh, taking very different point of views on being Japanese. You might say two men. This isn't a duet. I only hear one voice. Yes, because the other gentleman uh, is silent while he's doing a religious ceremony on his own. Well, the other man is very happy to be uh, becoming assimilated. He is um, very easily assimilated, in fact. Um, and I remember vividly being in the audience in, at the Boston tryout and, um, and seeing uh, how it was coming together when he talked about um, uh, formidable, using that word, you know, I mean, it was, it was just so marvelous to hear how he was. And the bowler had, of course, the symbol of uh, getting away from what he had been wearing to becoming more European in style, more even American in style for that matter. And, um, and so I think that's why that one is uh, very remarkable. Uh, a duet with only one voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hmm. amazing. Uh, uh, John, you want to speak to There Is No Other Way? Well, yes, I, I, I just want to comment on a, a bowler hat before there's another way. Um, having recorded the complete recording of Pacific Overtures, um, for, me, for me, I would have chosen a bowler hat as well. Actually, actually, Peter, you're right. In, in, in the, 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 the stage version, in the, the, com the, the complete version of a bowler hat, there are two people in it. Uh, there is the... the the, the singer, uh, um, and there is a reciter. And what makes the bowler hat um, uh, so wonderfully, totally moving was, you see the, 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 the transformation of a, a, a proud traditional Japanese man slowly being corrupted into adopting a Western uh, a lifestyle. And in between each verse, there is the letter read by the reciter. And that, unfortunately, that hasn't been recorded except for my complete recording, because the, 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 the reciting of the letters in between each words completely, totally set what the bowler hat is about. It's this horrible rape and transformation of a noble Japanese man into a Western puppet. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, coming, coming to um, there is no other way. Uh, I chose this in the end because it's just amazing how a Western composer could compose such a traditional, totally almost genuine Eastern um, Japanese um, um, music. It's so serene and it's Zen-like and, and it's, it's so calm and peaceful and yet it's saying such profound uh, thoughts and profound words that, that came in the lyrics. Um, uh, and for that, I decided to, um, to, um, uh, to, to, to go for it. There is no other way, simply because it's just an amazing feat that Sondheim uh, managed to, um, to uh, achieve, to, to, to write a real genuinely sounding Japanese um, Eastern song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we, we've talked a lot about um, his not only ability, but interest in, especially in follies, in, sor in sort of pastiches. This is not necessarily a pastiche, but mm. it, is, it is his interest to absorb other composers' methods and vision and, and incorporate it into his work as a, as a point of elevating the song in some way. Of course, there was an entire score where he 
adopted um, methods that were maybe not natural to him. Um, the group as a whole chose someone in a tree. Uh, I believe that, am I correct? Uh, you guys will know that Sondheim said that's his favorite song, right? Well, what he, what he has said is that uh, when he was asked that question at uh, some gathering, he did say that. But um, as William Finn says in uh, falsetto, depends on the day. And it was his, it's not to be taken as, um, as holy scripture that that is his favorite song. It just was at that moment in time, that night, what he could think of. So, uh, but I do understand why so many people uh, go to that song uh, for that reason and for the other, because he wants to uh, contradict Sondheim, but also because it's terrific. What yeah. a great idea to have three different different points of view, depending on somebody who saw but couldn't hear, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, uh, sure. In the, end, in the end, that song uh, tells us that they saw and heard nothing because <laughs> the signing of the document, mm. they couldn't see what they, they, right. could, they thought they heard it, they thought they saw it, but they knew nothing. They came sure. knowing nothing, you know. Right. They didn't learn anything. Moving into our next show, 1979, Sweeney Todd. We've got uh, another Donnybrook here between the three of you. Really? Uh, yeah. Really? Uh, let's I'm surprised. Start, let's start with Roberta. Oh, this is a tough one. Um, there's so many to choose. At first, I, I did pick the, the first song because it's, uh, it, again, it kind of like, um, it's one of the best opening numbers, I think. But um, I, what did I pick? Uh, these are my friends. Yeah. Um, first of all, it's a beautiful theatrical piece. You know, Sweeney Todd, it's, he finally pulls out his knives and he's singing his, about his passion and his love for these knives. And we know it's going to be a gory musical, but we haven't seen it yet at this point, right? Um, but he pulls, pulls it out. He talks about how they shine and how they glisten. And the audience, you can just feel it. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But at the same time, Mrs. Lovett is singing a counterpoint about how in love she is with him. It's brilliant. So, you know, it's almost like um, a prequel to Passion, you know, where they're obsessed. He's obsessed with killing and she, he's she's obsessed with him. So I just feel like it's, I feel like it's a perfect song and it really does represent the, the work as a whole. Mm -hmm. Peter. Um, if I had a choice of hearing any song right after it was written, if I were in um, the workroom, the studio of any composer slash lyricist, and have the person say, hey, I just finished this. Listen, tell me what you think of it. A Little Priest would be my choice. Uh, <laughs> it must have been so incredible to be the, one of the first people to hear that. But for the rest of us who had to wait until the show was produced, it was worth the wait. Uh, what a clever idea. And also, more to the point, it's exactly what they needed before they were going into intermission. The idea of a fun song, um, and of course, the, the, the Vals Macabre uh, uh, three-quarter time business um, playing against it. All that makes it a tremendous act one closer. And um, so, but the word play, I mean, uh, peppered with Shepard. I mean, come on, he is <laughs> so wonderful. And, uh, and it certainly has proved there in one of his greatest songs ever. Mm -hmm. 
that is one of those things. That's a whole other discussion of having what where what shows would you want to be in the room when the when the composer introduced to the cast that day, mm-hmm. everything's coming up roses sure. or you know fugue for tin horns or sure. whatever, and watch the cast go. I'm going to be in this mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my god, Don, mm-hmm. what's your Sweeney Todd song? Uh, it's uh, Joanna. Which one? <laughs> but, but the one, the Sweeney Todd's version, mm-hmm. um, the one that, that, that when you started slitting people's mm-hmm. throats and everything, uh, this is actually, for me, this is the refined idea of the cookie chase, where he gave, Sondheim gave Sweeney Todd the most beautiful and the most mm-hmm. lovely melody to sing while he's committing the most ghastly, grisly mm-hmm. act. Um, you know, while he's sleeping as well, and he's singing this beautiful, beautiful song about Joanna. And also, of course, he is also saying goodbye to Joanna, while he's saying goodbye to all these people that he's murdering. You know, and then, of course, the other two characters, uh, Anthony and then Beggarwood, came in. But, and, and, then, and then he used such beautiful words like shooting star and and while he's killing them, you know, just blood was floating everywhere, singing this beautiful melody, using this beautiful words to say goodbye to his daughter. Uh, that's, just, that's just amazing that only someone like Sondheim could have thought of marrying all these different uh, extremes into, into a, um, a sequence. Uh, for, for my mind, that, 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 that's, the, that's the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and what really makes it extraordinary, too, is shows at home, how at home he is now with killing people. It's just matter of fact to him. Again, a lesser writer would have put a song like Epiphany in that spot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, not him. Yeah. yeah. The group as a whole uh, agreed with Peter that they thought A Little Priest was the song, and uh, I see how they arrived at that. Have charity towards the world, my pet. Yes, yes, I know, my love. We'll take the customers that we can get. I born alone, my love. We'll not discriminate, great from small. No, we'll serve anyone, meaning anyone, and to anyone at contention with the remaining shows um, uh. and in the interest of time i'm gonna maybe stick with uh whoever is the odd person out to defend their choice okay coming in 1981 merrily we roll along both roberta and peter agree on our time uh john is thinking it should be not a day goes by how about that john okay uh, again i recorded a complete version of uh, merrily we roll along um I chose this song because it's the same song sung twice uh, in two acts. Once as a very angry song, you know, that, uh, that, that, that she, she feels betrayed and not a day goes by that she, you know, that, that she doesn't, isn't angry and, and, and betrayed. And then, and then it's sung again as a wonderful, uh, same words, but a wonderful kind of sentiment about, oh, I love, I'm, uh, not that it goes, but I don't think of you and this and that and that. So for that, two different sentiments of the same song mm-hmm. in, the, in the same show in two acts, that's, that's why I chose that. Right. 1984, Sunday in the Park with George. 
both Roberta. I want to change. I want to change my mind. <laughs> well, you've got a split here. You've got a I split do. here. I do, and it was so really you're hard cheating. For me. You're already cheating out of the I'm game. I'm so cheating. I, I wanna, it's got. What? It's got to be Sunday. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna settle up on that. <laughs> then even more, Roberta. You are in agreement with John. Oh, I am. That, that it should be Sunday in the park. Um, uh, Peter is. Uh, is going to argue for move on. Uh, I'm going to certainly make a case for it because I do think it's uh, uh, here's where the lyric um, certainly is important um, as the melody because it is about moving on. This is about the fact that artists cannot stand still in doing what they're doing. They must continue to evolve. And it's very interesting to me that Sondheim once wrote a song called I Never Do Anything Twice because when you look at his shows, that's what happens here. So he does move on. And uh, to have Bernadette Peters sing this beautiful song at the end of the show, where we see um, that uh, the park has all these new office buildings in the back. And by the way, I've been there, and there's even more than you th <laughs> was seen on stage in Tony Strange's set. What was it, Eugene Lee? Anyway, um, so that song, it just is so uplifting, and especially where a lot of people say that the second half of Sunday in the Park is a little, well, sort of like a seminar more than a musical this song really uh is what you need at that moment in time um we don't quite think of it as an 11 o'clock number and what that usually means you know like brotherhood of man to sit down you rock on the boat but it is something to take us out of the show in a beautiful beautiful melody and in a very important lyric to be, to know right uh, the uh, the group, interestingly, uh, also agrees with you, uh, Peter, that as a group, the previous uh, panelists also said move on. Uh, huh. So you're not alone. You're not okay. alone in your thought there. No one, no one is alone. No one is alone. No one is alone. Look at what you want, not at where you are, not at what you'll be. Look at all the things you've done for me. Open up my eyes Taught me how to see Notice every tree, Notice every tree. Understand the light Constantly I want to move I want to explore the light I want to know how to get through Through something new Something of my own the light, something in the sky, in the grass or behind the trees. Look at all the things you gave to me. Things I hadn't looked at till now. Flower on your hat and your smile. I would be so confused. And the way you catch the light. And the
it come from you, then it will be me. Give us more to see. To. Uh, which brings <laughs> us to 1987, Into the Woods. We have consensus with Roberta and John. Again, with Children Will Listen. And uh, that is also with the group. Peter, you are literally the only person who chose the song <laughs> that you're about to reveal to us, which is... Giants in the Sky. Oh, I think it's such a beautiful... It's one of his, his most beautiful melodies, as far as I'm concerned. And I'll tell you what frustrates me tremendously is on the original cast album, it is um, in the middle of a band, uh, a track. And uh, if it weren't, I would play it over and over and over again. And ironically enough, when the London cast album came out, it was on its own track. Hooray! Except the guy sings it much too fast. And uh, But I think it, it's uh, the big, tall, terrible giant in the sky. That melody to me is one of his most beautiful patches of notes put together. And that's why I like it so much. Now, if you sat behind a desk, you know, when people audition for you, that would not be the most beautiful. <laughs> 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 because it's very difficult. And I've heard it sung not so well. I'll bet. <laughs> true. That's true. Peter, you can, Peter, you can thank me for, for putting that, uh, the song in the London recording of uh, Into the Woods because I produced that. And I made sure that that song stayed intact on its own. So uh, you did that London Cast album with Imelda Staunton? That's yours? Yes. The RCA um, release? Yes. Oh. I produced that for RCA. Ah, good for you. Yes. Yeah. Moving into Assassins, Roberta, you didn't fill one in. Did you think about it and you have anything no, to contribute? No, to because this? I, I want to keep your foot out. I um, really don't know the show. I don't All right. Know. All right. Well, we've got uh, we've got some. Uh, uh, we do not have agreement from uh, the group or from Peter or John. So, John, well, why don't you uh, tell us uh, why you think your song should be well, from Assassins? It's unworthy of, of your love, um, which which is just just a lovely kind of seventies uh, uh, um, uh, folk song, you know, sort of uh, Peter Mary, uh, uh, Peter Paul and Mary kind of kind of. I think it's um, is that that. I think I got the right people. A simple lesson, but but in fact, it's just both of them are uh, are just pledging to each other to to commit again a terrible act. But but it's such a beautiful, simple, uh, uh, lovely folks type song, you know, with a guitar and um, uh, simple. That's why I chose it because it just it's just um, it's just playing against what they're saying. Uh, and what the tune and, and, and the essence of the song is. Mm -hmm. uh, the group as a whole was pointing towards the ballad of Booth. Uh, Peter, you're interested in, in a different ballad in the show. Yeah, Cold Ashes. Um, Sondheim really got the Aaron Copeland spirit of the wide open sound uh, that Aaron Copeland was so famous for. And you can almost feel the, the wind blowing through the trees. Um, it's such an American melody. And of course, there's the juxtaposition there because of course, Cold Gosh is an immigrant and he doesn't feel very much at home in this country, needless to say. So as a result, that's why he's going to do this terrible thing he's about to do. But what a beautiful song to take us into that. And um, uh, it's really as, as beautiful as it is also, 
it gets very stirring in the B section um, and uh, the yes, I can section. So this is the one that makes the biggest impression on me. Johnny Booth was a headstrong fella. Even he believed the things he said. Some called him noble, some said yellow. What he was is off his head. How could you do it, Johnny? Calling it a cause. You left a legacy of butchery and treason. We took eagerly and thought you'd get applause. But traders just get jeers and booze, not visits to their graves. While Lincoln, who got mixed reviews, because of you, John, now gets only raves. Damn you, Johnny, you paved the way for other madmen to make us pay. Lots of madmen have had their say, but only for a day. Listen to the stories, hear it in the songs. Angry men don't write the rules and guns don't write the wrongs. Hurt so wild, but soon the country's back where it belongs. And that's the truth, still and all. Damn you, Booth! Nineteen ninety-four, Passion. Uh, John and Roberta, you are in agreement with the rest of the group. Um, John and I are very, we're, we're seeing you, eye to eye. You are seeing eye to eye. <laughs> and Roberta, why don't you talk about it? What, tell us why you, um, why mutually, almost collectively, everybody thinks this is the one song. It stands out. You know, it, it's, a, I saw this show on Broadway. It's, and the song is Loving You. Loving You, yeah. yes. I saw this show on Broadway and... Through the whole, as you're sitting there as an audience member, in, in fact, I'll tell a little story. I went alone. I was doing a show in New York at the time and nobody else wanted to go. It was unfortunately pretty easy to get a ticket. Mm. And um, I was sitting next to a couple and they weren't from the United States. They were, uh, they were speaking another language and they seemed irritated through the whole show. And um, there's a point when Fosca says, should I stay or should I leave? And in English, the lady next to me shouted out, leave, like at the top of her lungs. <laughs> wow. And wow. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. You know, I was, mm -hmm. Everyone's looking our way. And I thought to myself, well, even though they don't, I mean, obviously they understood English, but this show really um, upset a lot of people. It mm -hmm. was and me too. And, and the music is not, I mean, they always say Sondheim's music is not hummable. I disagree. I hum all his melodies, except for this show. I really <laughs> don't hum these melodies. But Loving You stood out. Mm -hmm. It just sits there. And we're waiting for this woman to make us feel for her. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, we understand her in that loving you is not a, you know, it's not a choice. It's who I am. Oh my gosh. That was it. And now I, and now I became on, I was on Vasca's side. I understood her plight. 
I heard that story many times, including Judy Kuhn, when we talked about uh, uh, passion as part of the round table. She too saw the show and said that people yelled out at the stage. And I've heard that story from, from mm -hmm. a number of people. John, you had a point. Yes, I, I want to expand on loving you. Uh, of course, the, 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 the interesting thing is that, I don't know if you remember, um, it's a very short song in the show. She suddenly comes up with this gorgeous, gorgeous melody and this, 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 this set of lyrics that, that, that tells us exactly what the show is yes. about. And then, and then she stops. Now, any other lesser composers would know that they got this wonderful hit song, put in a bridge, change the key, and end with a big end, and then you got a song. Mm -hmm. But she just sings one verse and then it disappears. But what, what was very interesting is I, I was making a, a, a recording with uh, Sean McDermott. I don't know if you all know him. Mm -hmm. um, his solo album. And um, at the end of the session, we had the symphony orchestra sitting there, but at the end of the session, some of the musicians um, uh, were, 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 were sort of staying behind and we were chatting. And then I said, and then Sean had Loving You, um, uh, the, I had the Loving You song. And I said, should we just make a, 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 a loose improvis improvisation to sing this song, but make it into a song? Uh, we put a bridge in, and then we and then we, we come to and 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 I think I had a saxophonist there and the bass there and the pianist. So we did a very simple uh, improvisation of of the song. We recorded it, so he sang and then and then and then the sax played it, played the the, the the melody in the bridge, and then it comes back to the end. And then we have a wonderful uh, th that song which we were just messing about ended up on the album because it was so beautiful and it suddenly became a hit song. And the story is that um, Sean told me this, that uh, uh, Jay Alexander is, do you know who Jay Alexander is? Richard Jay, sure, yeah. Yeah, he was handling Sean. And so he played that song to Johnny Mathis. And Johnny Mathis heard that recording and loved it so much, it ended up on his album as well later on. You know? mm -hmm. And then suddenly now, I think Loving You is being recorded as yes. a song. Yeah. It is. Many, many yes. people. Nancy Wilson. Nancy Wilson, yeah, One indeed. Of my favorites. Mine too. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Mine too. The last show in the group uh, has consensus, so I'm going to stay here for a second because uh, Peter digresses with uh, with passion. He, he has a different idea, so I want to <laughs> stay with that before we announce the last song because you all pretty much are in agreement. So, Peter. Uh, well, yeah, I like I read because, uh, after all, this is books of the uh, are essentially the movies of 1863. Um, yes, of course, you can go to the theater, but Fosco's not well and she can't go to the theater. And I don't know how much there is um, in her neck of the woods. Pirandello hasn't started writing yet. But really, the idea of her reading to escape, as she points out, the fact that this is the way that she gets out of herself. And she comes up with such incredibly dark images when she talks about there's, there's a flower and there's poison at the bottom and the butterfly comes and the butterfly gets the poison and he dies. I mean, you can tell that she is well-read. So, and we expect her to be because after all, what else is there in her life? So I think the idea of uh, reading being her gateway, the only way that she can live outside that terrible little room that she must be in, that uh, she has to spend so much of her time. It really does bring up the point that uh, this was the way to um, <laughs> get out of yourself back in 1863. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's it is a it is a it is such a unique show and and so hard to categorize and so it's very difficult i think with that one to pull it to pull something out of but that's a great argument for that song peter uh bounce road show wise guys whatever you want to call it this week don't forget gold gold of course yes gold. for a hot minute yeah. uh the consensus not surprisingly is is you're the best thing that ever happened yeah how uh, beautiful it's a great song it's a and yet of course you know it was so funny in in the recording where she says bullshit you know i mean mm -hmm. the, this beautiful beautiful melody and you have this profanity afterwards that uh, the sincerity is doubted and the fact is the the melody itself is sincere and yet you know uh leave it to sod time to find a sincere melody and then yet have another character question the sincerity that uh, that puts another layer to it as he always does as he always does friends so by my as uh, kind of aggregating uh, all of these from your uh, your contributions combined with uh, everyone who was on the panel and maybe sticking in a couple of tiebreakers myself from what i'm coming up with it looks like saturday night is so many people west side story is tonight the quintet gypsy is rose's turn a funny thing happened on the way to the forum is comedy tonight anyone can whistle is the song Anyone can whistle. Do I hear a waltz is take the moment. Company is being alive. Follies is losing my mind. A little night music is send in the clowns. The frogs is invocation. Pacific overtures is someone in a tree. Sweeney Todd is a little priest. Merrily we roll along is our time. Sunday in the park with George is move on. Into the woods is Children Will Listen, Assassins is The Ballad of Booth, Passion is Loving You, and Bounce Roadshow, Gold, Wise Guys, whatever you want to call it, is the best <laughs> thing that ever happened to me. And this was the best thing that happened to me today. I'm so <laughs> delighted that me you guys chose to take an hour of your time 
to waste time with me doing this shit. That's wasting time with you. Wasting him. time with you three. Uh, this was so much fun and I really appreciate it. And I could do this for another hour and we could just pick the whole Julie Stein song book. Oh, yes. Whenever you're ready. Peter, uh, let's start with Peter and Darling of the Day. And away we go. I saw Darling of the Day when it was called Married Alive. It was in such tough shape. Little did I know I would see it in Evanston, Illinois, in London, in New York. I mean, you know, you never know with these shows. You never know. Never know. You never <laughs> know. But... Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye.